Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurt in America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. I am Rebecca Jones, and you are tuned into Miss Informational. As always, I am joined by the amazing Dr. Cindy Banyai. How are you today? I am great. Just another day in the wonderful state of Florida for me. Yeah, I've got 10 days, and I am out of here. So (laughs) permanently relocating to Maryland, um, which could not come soon enough. Um, so today we're going to talk about something that is a mix of what the crux of this, this series is about, uh, which is misinformation and disinformation, and also talks quite a bit about the tactics that are employed to target those, um, who combat it. So if you have not been paying attention, a few days ago, a fringe conspiracy theorist who is an environmental attorney with the Orlando-based law firm Morgan & Morgan. Um, His name is Robert Kennedy Jr. That is his uh, area of expertise is personal injury and environmental law. Challenged um, a Nobel Prize nominated world-respected physician, Dr. Dean of Tropical Medicine at Baylor University, uh, also the director, co-director of the Children's Hospital there as well, Peter Hotez. And full disclosure, um, Dr. Hotez and I have been friends for several years now. Uh, we've been mutually attacked by Christina Pusha um, and other DeSantis people. They went after him pretty hard, mostly in the beginning because of his um, friendship and allyship with me. And um, he has had no shortage of threats, attacks, um, very truly vile things over the last few years. That, that's not new for him. Um, however, when Peter made kind of a sarcastic joke about this invitation, which Joe Rogan, who we'll get into, offered to, uh, what did he call it, moderate, which, you know, was great, um, moderate this debate. He kind of joked and said, sure, why don't you give $50 million to vaccine, you know, research so we can keep providing low cost vaccines to, you know, other countries developing world, Um, which he deleted because he said he shouldn't be that snarky, uh, which I thought was perfectly well snarked. I'm much more snarky and and vulgar even than that. Um, Then Elon Musk chimed in and called Peter a coward who hates charity because he turned down Rogan's offer of $100,000 to, and quote, debate RFK Jr. on Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm -hmm. So basically Joe Rogan said, oh, I'll have a debate between one of the world's leading experts and vaccine researchers, who's also a pediatrician and a Nobel Prize nominee in medicine, who created the non-RNA vaccine for COVID-19 that has saved millions of lives, especially in India, China, and the developing world, and this environmental personal injury lawyer from Florida. And that seemed like a a fair balance of viewpoints for some reason. And of course he said no. Well, after Elon Musk piled on, the online assaults got really, really bad. And Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, Peter's not... 
he's seen this kind of stuff before. He's, he's gotten threats. Uh, a lot of people threaten him like there needs to be a Nuremberg 2.0 um, yep. and that Peter should be executed. They accuse him of murder for developing vaccines because vaccine people, the anti-vax people aren't exactly smart. And so they don't, when they're going after these, oh, these RNA vaccines, whatever, the one that Peter developed isn't even an RNA vaccine, but whatever, doesn't matter. Um, nuance to them. But um, <laughs> it culminated into a couple of people showing up at Peter's home in Texas. And they found his address. They stopped him. They waited for him to come outside. And when he did, they ran up to him. The one guy pretending, you know, to shake his hand and introduce himself like totally normal. Uh, Peter's got no idea what's going on. And then he quickly realizes that they're crazy, you know, QAnon type people. And this one person is. He actually has the handle I Fight for Kids, I think. I've never heard of him before. I think his last name's Rosen. Um, but uh, starts attacking him. And so Peter's trying to leave and he has a gate that separates his front and his backyard. So he goes behind the gate and he locks it. And these people are following him onto his property and they're berating him and they're, they're acting crazy. And he's texting me and asking me what he should do. And I'm like, well, you've had a bodyguard before, right? Like, can you just see if they'll come around for a few days, you know, just until things die off because usually these things cool down. And, um, so he had a he had to call the police and they had a police cruiser set outside of his house um, in case anybody else came and they're it, it's a scary thing and of course i posted about this immediately because I, peter's my friend and we're texting each other as this is happening and i wrote about you know i have this crazy person i've never heard of before had attacked uh, my friend at his house and how it was going mm -hmm. way too fucking far and um, translating into real world violence, which I'm one of the biggest people who, when people are suffering from these kinds of cyber attacks, remind people, look, this is not real life. This is real life. This is people showing right. up in your home where your family right. are. And um, that is incredibly scary. You have no idea what it's like for to have that feeling. It's only happened to me a few times where someone waits for you, who's been watching you, who stalked you, and to ambush you all of the sudden and not feel safe. And um, mm -hmm. especially when it's a crazy political type person. Right. And um, yeah, it's, it definitely, aside from the fact that it, it's real world um, violence and, and threats and, and it's meant to intimidate and silence people, uh, Joe Rogan kept it going. Even after yep. he became aware that people were showing up to Peter Hotez's house, he kept egging it on. Now, Dr. Hotez doesn't owe anybody shit. I want to be very clear about this. First of all, he's the nicest man I've ever met. He's like, there are some people, you know, they say you can like feel people's spirit, like if they're good or they're bad. There's like two people that on this planet that I've met that I think have a, a, a heart and like a soul like so pure that it just is it's too good for this planet. The first one's my daughter, who I've said a million times is like if a, if a spot of sunshine fell to this earth and it, and it became a child that is her because she's just so pure and so good and so happy and the other one is peter he is the nicest most humble guy um always willing to help people always willing to talk to people um he spends all day treating kids dying children you know he has all of these different positions that he holds doing yeah. very important research saving lives he's a good person a very good person and even if he wasn't, which shouldn't matter, the work that he's doing has done so much to help people, to save people, 
that this is this is disgusting. But um, it started this whole debate about like the debate me bro culture. And I got to say, there were a lot of orca memes that I was really uh, enjoying from all of this. Um, <laughs> but it really kind of brought up this thing that we've been talking about, especially in the climate community for decades. And it is the debate me bro culture. Do we debate people as scientists and experts in our field? I mean, there's there's few people on the planet who are more qualified to speak about vaccine research than Dr. Peter Hotez. Uh, when we're asked to debate people who have no expertise, um, and we're not even talking about, oh, you're being elitist. Well, yeah, I mean, the people who develop vaccines have to go to college for a very, very, very long time. They have to get medical degrees. They do years of research before they're ever allowed to be part of a team like what Peters was that was nominated for the Nobel um, in medicine, not in peace, because apparently now people think the Nobel Peace Prize is crap. Um, but in medicine, no, those are some pretty high standards. And uh, it, yeah, you learn about these things in school. For a long time and you do nothing but this for your entire life this isn't something you casually google oh I, I read about it on wikipedia now i can go and be a part of the team that makes vaccines that's not how this fucking works and there's a reason for that education is hard if it wasn't hard everybody would do it advanced degrees are hard to get if they weren't hard to get everybody would do it it takes work it takes time it takes dedicating your life to nothing but the thing that you are studying yeah. And to ask someone like that to have some kind of fake debate where Joe Rogan, a known anti-vaxxer who is involved in way more just conspiracies than just that, and a DeSantis supporter. Um, I pulled up his Daily Wire article about how he thought DeSantis would be a good president uh, when somebody was like, he would never defend Ron DeSantis. I was like, mm, <laughs> uh, is it's a joke. And it legitimizes fringe ideas. It lends our platform and our notoriety to and our reach to people who would use it to harm. And I mean, if we're debating something stupid, like, I don't know, what's something random and dumb that people talk about all the time? Whether or not the Miami Heat's the greatest, you know, basketball team, whatever, it really doesn't matter as much the expertise range that you get on that panel, right? right. You would want somebody who knows something about basketball. You would expect that, you know, maybe it's a sports broadcaster or, you know, somebody pull up somebody from a university who studies statistics and sports or right. former players, people who know what the fuck they're talking about, even in that. I was going to say, and those are people that have like perspectives on that issue. So that's a debate, right? So what's better? The coach's perspective, the player's perspective, the statistician's perspective, the broadcaster's perspective, right? So that would actually be a relatively useful debate in that space. Yes. But we would still what? expect it to have people who know what the fuck they're talking about. If you had a panel, right. if you, let's say you had... Um, who's the greatest basketball coach of all time? I don't even know. I don't know shit about basketball. Uh, Tom Izzo. <laughs> I'm a Michigan I'm State Spartan. Bayheim because I went to Syracuse. So it's like having a debate between Jim Bayheim and some dude from Nevada who lives in his father's basement who's never probably who probably can't even right. sprint, much less run, and suddenly became involved in basketball two weeks ago. An interest in basketball two weeks ago. Right. Watch and the NCAA it, it would tournament. Be ridiculous. It would be ridiculous. Now, see, that has minimally harmful, you know, consequences in that context. As ridiculous as it is, it's not going to hurt anybody if you did something like that. 
But when we're talking about things like vaccine disinformation, medical science, um, and this whole kind of broader scope of trust in science in general, it's incredibly harmful to try to position these two viewpoints as if they're equal. Right. As if they're equally represented among not just the academic communities, but among the general populace, which they're not. They're very fringe. Um, and it's dangerous. And it's not an issue of who is right. We have the debates about this kind of research in peer review. Right. There, there is a process that goes through that. And I, I love how people are like, oh, yeah, you mean read by a body of their peers approved? I was like, do you have any idea how vicious those body of their peers can be? Nobody uh -huh. wants to, like, give someone else in their field. As, as people are egotistical as fuck in academia. Yep, they like, are. groundbreaking discovery if they think that they, you know, do it better or know better. People in peer review are fucking vicious. I've gone through it. I've published peer-reviewed lit. Yep, they can be vicious. I've reviewed papers and... Yep. I, I try to be nicer about it, but I'm actually nicer when I do it. Oh, what about this and this? And then secretly like when they put it like, don't, don't publish it. I'm just trying to help them out a little bit, but you know, it's, they're vicious and there's, right. there are good reasons for that because occasionally if something shitty does get through, yep. it can do widespread damage. And of course, like the autism most, study on yes. vaccines. Probably the most notoriously damaging single article ever published was um, the one that falsely claimed and fabricated data to say that there was a link between autism and vaccines. Yep. Now people go back and like, how did this get approved? Well, one of the things is he falsified data. So he supplied data that he said supported his viewpoint, but turned out he made it up. So it was very hard for researchers to say that, you know, his data did not support his claims when he just made up all the data. Right. And there was no way to check patient records um, in the peer review process to see if that was correct. But um, since that time, Peter has been in the 90s. He started combating disinformation about the link of autism and um, vaccines. And his daughter, he wrote this famous book, you know, no vaccines do not cause Rachel's autism. And uh, so he was, he's used to some of this. But this is different what's been happening over especially twitter over the last few years and you won't see it nearly to this extent on any other social media no. platform and there are good reasons for that mechanisms in place to protect you from that on other platforms um this is different and we were actually talking this morning about how bad it is um and uh it's scary it's a scary thing to be a public person um even if you're reluctant about it like i was I was kind of thrown out there and decided to just do something with it. Um, mm -hmm. But Peter has decades of experience as being a public person targeted by anti-vaxxers and has never seen something like this before. And um, mm -hmm. I was talking to a couple of other people who have gone through it. Um, Alexander Vindman and his wife, Rachel, uh, a couple of my friends who combat disinformation, including Jim Stewartson. Uh, he was the guy who connected Mike Flynn to QAnon which a few years ago, you know, they were very much in denial and now it's just known and accepted. And now he put pictures by the fire of himself declaring his oath to uh, QAnon. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Jim was, he made the documentary, I think with Midas about it. Um, a lot of these people have full-time dedicated cyber gangs who do nothing but pull up TweetDeck, which is a Twitter um, interface that makes it incredibly easy to stalk and harass people as a group. Uh, if you haven't seen it, just explore it and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. 
which it makes people able to evade bans. So whenever I post something, even though I've blocked all of these people, if someone else comments on my post, they can harass that person. And someone told me yesterday that they follow me on Twitter and they commented on something about me on Twitter. And then the person who harassed them there found them on Instagram and Facebook and started threatening them and accusing them of being a pedophile because they said that my daughter was adorable, which my daughter's fucking adorable. Um, but yeah, and the same individual also threatened to make a complaint against someone with the California bar because when she commented that it was insane of what I was going through, he stopped her and found out that she was a lawyer, found out where she was a lawyer, looked up her bar number, sent it to her and threatened her. So these people do nothing but this all day, every day. They literally will just sit at their computer, which sounds miserable, waiting for any mention so they can all group attack it. And it happens within seconds. I actually tested it the other day. I posted for half of a second a post about, you know, how maybe I should go down to um, this one street on Altamonte Springs, Florida, and pay a visit to the guy who harasses me online all the time. And um, see how much of free speech they think it is when I'm at their house yelling at them from outside. And then I immediately deleted it. And sure enough, within a half a second, it had been screenshotted and was being reposted. Wow. And so it's a constant monitoring of everything that you do right. with plan-coordinated harassment. They're cyber gangs. We really do need to make this term more mainstream. They are a fucking cyber gang who yeah. are there to do nothing but inflict terror and intimidate people. Yeah. And, and I noticed that too with years ago with you. Um, and I was trying to explain it to other folks too. It's really hard, especially if people hard. are only- Unless you see it, it's almost, it's like, no guys, trust me. You don't understand. Oh yeah, we know social media is bad. No, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, you do so much as mention Rebecca Jones and you have a good handful of accounts that are just- barraging you with different things, posting smear campaign stuff against her. It's, it's really, honestly, for me, I was like, this is remarkable. Like, what are these folks doing? Like, um, because it was so, it was so apparent. Yeah. And when we were exploring earlier this year, um, recruiting people for this, uh, I actually did look into that. So for about $120,000, which is not cheap, I can have one person for 18 months do nothing but attack anybody I want. They'll write fake news stories. I got the whole package too. We'll have to add this to our, our thing. They will place fake news stories on like the India Times and these other websites that are notoriously like known for just posting shit or the Daily Mail is one of the, the places that they actually proposed to me that they could have favorable articles of me and negative ones about whoever my target was placed in the Daily Mail for a fee. And, um, which we've, we've talked about how the daily mail does it all the time. Right. And possibly the biggest case of controversy involving the daily mail, Johnny Depp paid about $50 million to place negative and false stories about Amber Heard during the defamation trial that were very, very successful in convincing people that she was actually the bad guy when it was him. Mm -hmm. But to quickly go over that, the basic gist of it was, is years ago after they got it, you know, in their divorce, she wrote an op-ed that did not name him, but said that she was so terrified of her, of her ex because he threatened to do 
anything he could to destroy her career if she left or if she ever spoke about it he would you know engage in a smear campaign he would get her her gigs canceled he would blacklist her in hollywood blah 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 and he claimed that this was defamation turns out that's what he fucking did he that right. is literally what he did he spent 50 million dollars just on that one package to defame her to get her gigs canceled and her movies canceled and her roles canceled to make people think that she was crazy he did all of the things that she said and that that decision came out it was pretty split they were like well you defamed her he defamed you you know whatever figure it out um and of course she won the case in britain um completely but this is absolutely the media landscape that it is now and yeah. it's very easy to get these attack people i mean this organization employs one of the people who's assigned to me which is why i went to them and um was like yeah just give for this much you get you know one person for this one you get two and i was like holy shit first of all i've gone into the wrong profession if i can make 60 grand a year just by sitting on twitter all day and chain stalking people who are political people that i don't know and you know just making shit up about them wow that's a pretty freaking good gig and mm -hmm. um you, know, you have to be a pretty horrible person though yeah or just be immoral able to lie just, i'm sure they justify it to themselves i'm absolutely sure that they do that because that's what most people like that do they'll be like well you know i've got to pay the bills so you know why not you know and it's not really causing any harm to this person it's not like i'm going in and i'm killing them or anything you know and they do they absolutely justify this to themselves and um it's really sick it's really sick and i've been of course i started talking to the fbi about these people end of last year um i got a very weird ominous threat the other day that i posted i i'll have to look it up um it i mean it, it flat out said like you're not safe or something like that i blocked the person of course and i reported that person's message and of course twitter didn't think it was a violation of their rules at all to say that to someone you are not safe you should be worried um that which, kind of stuff all the time yeah all the fucking time and this was a private message and you know i've gotten death threats to my husband's cell phone on voicemails that the fbi investigated the guy admitted that he did and they still didn't charge him with a crime because he had no intent apparently on actually killing me and my family which is cool you know, all kinds of things but this when we allow people to do this kind of thing like if we actually say it's okay to call someone and threaten to kill them and their family if you don't actually plan on doing it we are are getting into a very scary place and sure. um it's one of the reasons i have said during all of my run for congress section 230 needs to go it was written in the 90s before the internet even had what we would think of as social media i mean at the extent it was like emails pretty much mm -hmm. and um we are seeing now i think in unwillingness in organizations like twitter and it won't just be twitter it will continue in other places to do anything about what technically is criminal activity harassment and cyber stalking or criminal activities i would know i was charged with cyber harassment for naming my rapist on a website for domestic abuse survivors because he said it was cyber harassment to name him as an abuser of women and share it with other people hmm. so that's cyber harassment but that kind of other stuff isn't and it's 
shows that when we talked about last week about weaponized law enforcement, mm-hmm. it really just is up to the cops in the state whether or not they want to sure. do anything about these people. And when you live in a state like Florida, like I do, or Texas, like Peter Hotez, they're not going to do shit to stop people who are threatening people that they see as not politically aligned with them. And of mm-hmm. course, Peter is not a politician. He's a professor. He's not even allowed to like be involved in politics and um, or to be involved in campaigns or anything like that. Like we had to be very careful when he was advising me on you know, medical stuff during my campaign that he was not in official capacity because that would be, you know, a problem for his job. Mm. And so it's just, it's a scary thing. It's very, very scary. And I think it happening to Peter, who's almost unimpeachable, has really helped highlight the national conversation on this because me, they can say whatever they want. They can find flaws, you know, like I'm hardly infallible. And most people have issues. And so if it's somebody who has any kind of issue whatsoever, they will sour people in defending that person because of one or two things that most of the time they're taking out of context, but also may have legitimately screwed up with. And um, they can't do that with Peter. The, The man has probably never had a parking ticket and his contributions to medicine will go far beyond his life. And so I'm in a weird way, I'm kind of glad it was him because there is no, no personal attack that will ever be appropriate or true, but that doesn't stop them from starting them. Sure. And, well, and I wanted to loop back to just the debate thing. Cause that, that was an interesting debate, bro. Yeah. The debate me bro culture is kind of interesting too. Cause it did as, as we're looping back to the, to the anti-vaccine movement, you think that it was like Jenny McCarthy, who was one of the early folks that was talking about it, saying that it was, you know, related to her son's autism. Forget the fact that the dad was Jim Carrey and he's his own type of character, right? Like, you know, so, but the thing was, is that it's not fair or right or appropriate to have somebody like Jenny McCarthy debate a vaccine scientist, right? Because, she's not qualified to to be there, frankly, right? And that's the same situation you have here with RFK and uh, Professor Hotez, because he has no right to be there and he's not going to be able to explain it and understand things. He's going to be saying things that suit his political needs or are based on his very, very shallow understanding of it. And I think that that's where also lay folks have um in a misunderstanding right is that when you when position two people as equal experts they're going to automatically think that both of their opinions are valid especially true. when it's a non-political debate right and i was gonna say like you know i don't know if if people really get how much research and time it does get to be somebody like Dr. Hotez, right? Like this is not like, oh yeah, you know, like you said, oh, I, I Googled it once, right? No. And yeah, you don't, you, you, you're not on the same field and it's not about elitism, but it is about education. And it is that this person knows something and you don't know jack shit. And you can't have somebody who knows jack shit trying to, dismantle an argument of somebody who knows what they're talking about, right? Like this is not, this does not happen. And I think it's just, 
you know, regular people go, oh, of course it's, it's like the same, but it's not like, it's so incredibly not the same. Um, and I, you know, it goes into a broader, you know, attack on intellectualism, attack on education. And I mean, cause there are people, and I've seen this online talking about, oh, well, of course the experts are wrong. That's how far we've come in this like anti-education, anti-intellectualism, I don't even know what's called conundrum, right? Is that people online are criticizing things done by experts. And I've seen it even like engineers, uh, people are criticizing engineers, people are criticizing, you know, meteorologists, people, you know, depending on whatever it is. And they say, oh, well, I knew that it was going to rain today and the meteorologist didn't. So why do yeah, we right. even need the meteorologist? Yeah. And I mean, it's like, a bridge collapse. So, you know, when I think we should have Joe Schmo just design all of our bridges. There are very few fields out there where you actually want someone without expertise to be in charge. And, you know, you think about basic construction stuff like bridges and yeah. roads and buildings and, you know, tunnels. And do you really want someone who did not go to school and study how to properly build a tunnel to be in charge of building tunnels? No, you don't. And let's let's go over, yeah. Because and I'm the totally reason we have real, real quick, yeah, I was going to say, well, I was going to say we have that, and I think the other thing that people forget, and because we've actually we live in the United States and it's a sophisticated country with a sophisticated government and a sophisticated set of regulations, the reason that we have credentialed people, okay, is because somebody died a long time ago because you had dipshits doing it in the first place. And I think we forget that too, right? We have food regulation. We have medicine regulation because people died because yep. there was a lack of expertise. Yep. And speaking of expertise, this is the basic rundown of Peter Hotez's uh, CV. He graduated magna cum laude from Yale University in 1980 with dual majors in molecular biophysics and biochemistry. He received his medical degree in 1986. He also has a PhD, um, a doctor of philosophy. I'm not sure what the major was, but I imagine it has something to do with vaccines. And um, yeah, a lot of folks in the medicine, medical field will get a PhD in their research area. Yes. So they're like a double so it was Molecular Parasitology and Pediatric Infectious Diseases um, at Yale University School of Medicine, where he subsequently became assistant professor in 1992 and an associate professor in 1995. Uh, his early research focused on pathogenesis and molecular mechanisms of human hookworm infections that eventually led to his patented vaccine, now in clinical trials, as well as a vaccine against cystosomiasis. Um, a lot of things that I don't know how to say because I'm not an expert in the medical field and I wouldn't presume to know what the fuck it is, but not um, in my of practice. Yeah. As so credentials matter. I hate this. Like, Oh, it's credentialism. Yes. I'm sorry. If we're talking about tropical parasitic, whatever, whatever, I want somebody who went to school and knows what the fuck that is. I'm not going to go to somebody else. If I have some weird tropical disease who's no Rogan is just gonna try and fucking feed it to you that's all he did on fear factor yeah well so, yeah that's true too but and, and joe rogan really is the biggest problem here because we right. all know what kennedy is and right. like his whole like conspiracy theories they first of all they go way beyond vaccines um right. he is a conspiracy theorist on a whole bunch of other things 
we briefly touched about some of the things he's a big conspiracy there's excuse me on previously when we were talking about the anti-gmo movements and some of these right. huge anti-environmental movements he's those two things have always been as we discussed last time closely overlapped because before covid the anti-vaccine movement was largely seen as a very fringe far left privileged white suburban thing that and your very very conservative religious groups but that even that was so tiny it was mostly becoming this very far left thing um and the environmental conspiracies were overlapped with that anti-vax thing and that mm -hmm. is what kennedy kind of is in, in a nutshell and he wasn't really egging on dr hotez either he said that he would be willing to debate it but it was rogan who kept feeding the frenzy it was like he was pouring chum while Hotez was out in the water and he knew the sharks were on their way yeah. and kept going back and forth. I gave Peter my advice. I said I would stop engaging with him mm -hmm. for a little while, at least, because right now all you're doing is putting yourself in danger and you're not winning anybody over because these people aren't interested right. in being won over. And no. you can only do so much with closed minds. And um, I also got into this with my neighbor who we mentioned, but that's a whole other thing. Um yeah, so it's this farce of, uh, and this was the climate change problem that we grappled with for decades. It's like you would have this framing of everything about climate change where you'd have an expert and then you'd have a denier, even though we know from multiple research studies that the scientific consensus on climate change is well over 97%. Uh -huh. So sure, you could have 97 experts two people who refuse to say anything and then one denier and that would be a balanced debate but again this is the what we do in the media the false equivalency like this side yeah. and that side either are the same or on equal ground and having somebody like rogan who's a shock jock um who was a ufc commentator i think that's his field of expertise um if, he was an mtv fucking junkie like he started on yeah he fear factor really was where he, well, he now that you cannot be an intelligent person and be a commentator i mean there are sports commentators like uh let's say bob costas who are brilliant people who can talk about complex issues so that's not what joe rogan is and that's joe rogan is money Joe Rogan will tell you that he's a fucking idiot. Like I have, you know, he never holds himself out there as an expert because he fully fucking knows that he's a fucking idiot. And he'll, he'll say that to you. He said it on many of his shows. So that's what's also funny about this is people on Twitter going, oh, he's No, he knows he's a fucking idiot, but he's making money. He, yeah, he was a comedian and then he was on Fear Factor. He did some MTV hosting. I guess he did some UFC shit whatever. And then now he's got a podcast. Good for him to have a fucking podcast. We have a fucking podcast too, right? Like, but he's got this platform where he's, he's actively pushing disinformation because he's a fucking idiot and he doesn't know the fucking difference between an expert and, and a non-expert. And, you know, he's just doing the Glenn Beck. I'm just asking questions, blah, blah, blah. But he's got what it, somebody said on Spotify. He's got like 3 million followers on Spotify. Again, good for fucking him. That doesn't mean he's fucking right. Right. Like 
It just means that he's good at talking. And that's the other part of this <laughs> that I want to like just kind of put a little pin on is that we love our scientist friends and they do amazing stuff, but they literally live in another communication world. Peer oh, yeah. review writing is totally fucking different from journalistic writing on sciences, which is still different from how most people consume information related to science. Well, and, and there are fair arguments to be made against people, even in my field, who don't think they need to bother with learning the communication schools. I, I mean, I yeah. taught professors at LSU how to talk to the press and literally had one of the people look like it's not my job. I don't get paid to do that. Right. Um, or I don't get paid enough to do that is what I heard. I said, well, you know, maybe if you were better at helping people understand why your field is important and why the research you're doing matters, then we'd see a greater investment in the types of research that you're doing. And this was an El Nino researcher. So, you know, this, I go back to the atmospheric sciences and, and, and funding issues, but Enzo is probably, as I've said before, the biggest fucking mystery in all of atmospheric and oceanic sciences that's left on this planet um so we should be throwing like all of the money at it um but that's a field that i made a video this morning about hey guys stop blaming el nino for everything okay it's yeah, yeah i know it's like a joke that. but you know el nino ooh, but uh, el nino actually tempers hurricane activity in the atlantic so you can't blame el nino for what's happening with brett and the soon to be named cindy um piggybacking right on it so you know it's yeah hurricane so cindy harder to talk to people and Part of the reason for that is, and this is a problem, a fair criticism of academia, is that academia in itself is a privileged bubble full of privileged people. Not right. many people come from like my background, make it to advanced degrees. Um, and if you need a real quick reminder, my background is dirt fucking poor in South Mississippi to teenage parents who didn't have enough to eat most of the time. So, Same. You know, yeah, <laughs> I was from that too. Kind of background. And so right. they're used to speaking to people who are highly educated because that's who their parents are. That's who their friends are. That's who their cousins yeah. are. You know, that is the crowd that they're used to speaking to. And jargon is a big problem. And yep. presumption of base knowledge is a big problem. Yep. Assuming people know all of the pre-steps before you started explaining something. It's like starting with algebra when you they don't even know that two plus two equals four. Right. You know, so it's there. There are a lot of legitimate criticisms of academia and a failure to properly communicate, but not engaging in a Joe Rogan fear factor style. Um, I, I don't even like using the word debate. It's, even debate. it's, a, it's a fucking it's a, it's a podcast moneymaker um, entertainment special uh, yeah. with a known conspiracy theorist who's right. highly skilled at um, spreading conspiracy theories. Right. is not a not not that problem that's not one of the problems you know 99 problems but that bitch ain't one and right. so you know it's it's a false premise to start with and then saying that i mean it the whole thing has just gone crazy i got attacked for saying that he was attacked um which i had to you know share the dictionary definition of attack and the people like oh you should look up semantics while you're there i was like you know, when someone proves you're wrong and you keep digging in, you just look like an asshole. Just give it up. It's like you go to somebody's house, you stalk them, then you bombard them, you harass them. I mean, I just said I was attacked online and nobody would have an issue with that phrasing. But yet right. when you say that, yeah, it's so it's people are assholes and they're looking for every possible thing they can nitpick. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why 
Dr. Hotez shouldn't do this. Now, I don't think right now from our conversations that he's leaning towards doing this at all. Um, that's obviously his choice. But with the amount of... I would say he should do it if he gets like a buzzer. So every time RFK says something that's completely fucking false, he can go... Yeah, the, the amount <laughs> of... Um... The audience... So that they can recognize the falsehoods. Yeah, I, I wanted one of those during our debate with Matt Gates, um, but you know we're not allowed to do that. Um, hey, shit on fucking podcast on Spotify, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and I should know we're on I Spotify. Have experience debating a master troll debater on live television, and it went so poorly from him that they had it taken off of YouTube. Of course, I made copies. I made copies, guys. You can you can still look at the copies that I made. But um, I've done this. And so, and first of all, that was my first debate ever in my life for anything. And I whooped his fucking ass. So there is something to enjoy about it, you know, mm -hmm. if it's in an appropriate setting. And that's what that was for me and Matt Gates. You know, we each had an equal amount of time. We each had to follow right. the same rules. We each had the prompts that were exactly the same and had to answer the question. Now, if people thought we were full of shit, there was not live fact checking. I did that myself. I used my rebuttal time to fact check him. Mm -hmm. Um, but that is very, very different than what Joe Rogan would do. And right. that's not, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's not fair. That's the point is it's not fair because you have a moderator who's going to side with the conspiracy guy and the conspiracy guy who's a good talker. Cause he's a lawyer and now he's a politician. Right. So these are folks who are good at talking and convincing people and by the way, that's all lawyers do too, is they just try and if they ever get to the trial phase, they're just trying to convince people. Like they don't actually give a shit what the reality is. Now, the scientist gives a shit what reality is, and scientists are notoriously cautious, right? So they are not going to say outlandish things. They're always going to be like, well, according to science and data, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be very like cautious. And I wanted to say too, one thing, I actually have a history in helping scientists too, because one of the very first things that was funded in my work in nonprofits here in Southwest Florida was a communications training through the Alan Alda Institute of all places. Um, apparently after MASH, he went and started a, an institute specifically to help scientists and environmentalists learn how to communicate with the public and they they went through a training there at the Sandoval Captiva Conservation Foundation to try and help people understand uh, better what was going on with the environment here. So it's it's been a long, 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 long term problem that scientists have had in terms of communicating to the public. And we've also had a much more salacious an audacious form of media come about that really leaves very little space for scientists to communicate effectively, in my opinion. Yeah. And Twitter's not it. Right. Um, and 140 characters or whatever, they give you 280. You are not going to be able to get anything out that's going to be useful, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, speaking of which, RFK has unveiled today his um, plan for vaccines as president. And this is not just about COVID. So let's be very clear about that. And the first order of business per RFK is to order the Department of Justice to investigate editors and publishers of medical journals. 
Wow, that's, a, that's a, an attack on science as well. And I also saw part of this debate, which was scary, is this other anti-vax thing. So people are talking about, I actually saw a tweet that says something like polio. Who's ever seen polio in a long time? Yeah, no shit, because they we have <laughs> vaccines. But it's like, it's, it's like we are so far away from the pre-vaccine period where people don't even really realize what we've got. Yes, you know what we've eliminated because of vaccines? Um, high child mortality rates. Right? Polio. Fucking polio. Like, yeah, yeah, there polio. was this whole, like, like, now these anti-vaxxers have been able to, I mean, the infrastructure was already there. We've talked about this before. Um, the network was already there. It was well-built. It was well-funded, well-organized. Uh, Peter's book actually comes out, I think, like, next month about how COVID disinformation, you know, killed, like, a quarter of a million people in this country. Um, it just needed to be mainstreamed. And that is what happened during COVID. And I know Donald Trump did a lot of that, but to his fucking credit, he promoted the shit out of those vaccines. He still claim, take, tries to take credit for the development of those vaccines. He gets booed at his own things for telling people to get vaccinated and he still does it. So there were other factors and other players involved in spreading yeah. the anti-vaccine movement, probably none more prominent than men like Kennedy, Ron DeSantis, who of course appointed the Surgeon General, who has now been exposed as fabricating vaccine data to support a political agenda that the data directly contradicted. And so that is all continuing to happen by people who are still in power and who are seeking power. And yeah. so th that movement just really needed a launch. It needed a reason to be mainstream. If you think about Michelle Bachman in the, I think it was 2012 primary, who was doing actually shockingly well. After one of her debates, she went on camera and said something like how somebody came up to her afterwards and told her that her daughter got autism from a vaccine and she repeated it and then it was dead in the water because it was such a ridiculous and well-known to be debunked thing that Michelle Bachman even repeating that story and seeming empathetic was enough to kill her presidential campaign. And now we have a man who is, I'm not sure what his democratic ideals are, to be honest, but whose entire rise to recent stardom is based on his anti-vaccine rhetoric, right. running as a Democrat and polling at above zero. So that is how far we have come with this. That's how much damage people like DeSantis and, and others have done by giving this kind of thing any legitimacy whatsoever. I mean, DeSantis started the panels to investigate like vaccines and other treatments. And that's really no different from what RFK is saying that he's going to do, except for that he's going after medical journals, which is a free speech issue and all kinds of other things. But right. Um, that's what he's doing too. And so it is really this, oh God, I don't, I'm, I'm not oftentimes <laughs> finding myself short on words, um, dangerous, yep. uh, delusional. People are going to die. People are going to die. Yeah. And deadly. Yes. Incredibly deadly. And it, yeah. it is killed people. It's killed yeah. lots of people. It's already killed lots of people and they buried it. What's so what's also so, worrying about all of this as well is that um yeah it's feeding into a fury and oddly enough it goes back to the distrust 
in the government, which we've there's been a theme in what we're talking about as well. But the distrust that the government has a relationship with big business. Okay. So they're actually feeding into this kind of what I would describe as like progressive kind of wheelhouse, right? And I think that's why it had this anti-vax stuff started on the very, very fringe left, right? But that there is concern about big pharma paying off congressional representatives and giving, you know, donations to presidents and things like that, all sorts of different officials. And yeah, we should be worried about what types of pharmaceuticals overall are being approved and how they're being marketed and sold to people, which is related to the opioid crisis. So there's actually real crisis and real concern that underlie this conspiracy theory. And basically people are using it because it's easy. It's it's easy. The reason that this came out now is because of the COVID vaccine, because it was front and center. Because before that, you just got your kids vaccinated when they were young and you did your schedule X, you know, you were done. But because there was this new thing, because there was controversy over it, because there was also distrust in Trump and let's not rule that out. There was distrust. Oh, I in know. We, we absolutely and, played into that. Uh, there were multiple people who came out and said they wouldn't take a vaccine if Donald Trump rushed it, which was stupid and dangerous. And right. I'd like to remind people here real quick. I worked at the Florida Department of Health before COVID. I was in the... Uh, disease control and health protection unit. We covered vaccines. We looked at vaccine compliance within schools. And we're talking anytime a number would get below 95% compliance, we would be concerned about potential outbreaks. There was a measles outbreak, I think, in Washington state while I was there that we were closely monitoring because we were aware of some sex of people here who are were very anti-vax, but they were so few that, I mean, you could literally, within the state database, when they no longer make this um, information public, we used to, see what the compliance rate was for every single school for every required vaccine. And, like, right. I knew at my son's schools, it was 97%. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were not um, usually had a medical exemption because we could see the medical exemptions versus, you know, other opt-out as well. And so we're talking about being in a place in America in 2019 where 97% of children on average in the state of Florida were inoculated against viruses to how many are inoculated for COVID? Maybe 20, 30% are current on their COVID shots. I'd be surprised if it was even that high. And, and the only reason that has happened is because these people saw their moment and they took it. And we've had people out there championing you know, against this kind of thing. Dr. Hotez has been on the forefront of that for decades, although there are certainly lots of medical professionals have done that. Um, and they do that for public service. Peter doesn't get, nobody gets paid for going on MSNBC. I don't, I, I feel like I need to really clear the air on this. Like all those interviews I did, those hundreds of interviews, I never got paid for any of them. That's not how it works. And it's not- You can pay to get on Fox. I know that for a fact. Okay, well, I haven't. I got offered to do a thing on Fox once and um, they did not offer any money. Um, Peter and other physicians who step out like that to help are doing it just for that. You know, it's exhausting doing all of this work, especially if you're female. I'm going to, there is absolutely a gender element to it. Peter is fabulous. I love him, but all he has to do is put on his glasses and a bow tie and he's instantly recognizable and lovable. This, this takes time. This takes time to put together. Mm -hmm. So, and if I didn't do it, 
you know, for some reason, the respect would be less. But the fact that I do look like this when I do it makes it also less, which is all kinds of, of fun tightrope to walk. <laughs> but um, yeah, you it's don't fun. get paid to do that. And you shouldn't be sacrificing your personal safety right? just to be discussing your work in the research that you're working on publicly with other people so that they're informed. That is not the same thing. That's what we call a limited purpose public figure. A public figure is a person like a politician. Um, now, because I ran for office, I would be considered a public figure. You would be considered a public figure. Uh, I'm talking to Cindy, obviously. Um, you know, Biden is, Trump is, DeSantis is. Those are public figures. Um, a limited purpose public figure is actually a legal definition, which means that it's a person whose notoriety or public presence comes from their specific work or related duties. So things like being a physician and talking about vaccines or within a narrowed scope um, within a crisis is actually one of the, the subsections of that. And so this is a very clear definition that I would have fit into before I ran for office um, as somebody who was made famous, not by choice. So Peter and your legal protections are different, essentially. Yes. And legally, they're entitled to greater protections against this kind of thing than a full-fledged public figure. Right. Now, and that right. can vary subtly from, from state to state, but it's essentially the same thing. Um, and public figures have a lot of perks, too. So Ron DeSantis, as governor, cannot be sued for defamation. He All public officials in the state of Florida, uh, whether elected, appointed, or there's like a, a little list there, um, when speaking on matters related to their job, which as governor, everything that happens in Florida, he would argue is related to his job, cannot be sued for defamation. It is a legal blanket exemption. Mm -hmm. Trust me, we will look for all the loopholes in that to try to go after the son of a bitch back when it <laughs> happened. Um, so there are perks to it, but it also does mean for people like me, I can't do anything. People threaten to kill me. And that's insane. Peter's not a public figure. He is a physician. He right. talks about medical science, not politics, when he goes onto the news. And he is an academic with a um, directorship position at a hospital treating children. So what he's being subjected to, people saying, oh, he's a public figure. He was confronted in public. First of all, that's disinformation. He was confronted at his home, at his house, and not recognizing how psycho it is to find out where someone lives. Curiosity. We'll, we'll chop that first step up to curiosity. Um, find out where that person lives. Okay, that's public record. Sure enough. You can't share that on Twitter without getting banned. Uh, unless you're me, because there are still tweets out there that have my home address when I was living in Maryland out there. Um, and my driver's license number and phone number, but whatever. My white, my height and my weight from when I got my driver's Didn't license. Didn't on Fox News? Oh, yeah. I have all the screenshots. From it and there's still some of the tweets are up that have my home address from maryland clear as day right there um that that didn't get people banned but at any rate you're not supposed to curiosity oh i found out where this person lives hey turns out they live in the same city as i do if you don't stop right there then something's wrong if you actually manage to make it to the next step of we should go over there and nobody stops you, something's wrong. If you get in your car and start driving over there and you don't feel weird at all about what you're doing, something's wrong with you. If you find yourself parked outside of that person's house, waiting for them to come out or come home, 
something's wrong. If you, when you see them come out of their house or come home, you decide to get out of your car and go up to them, something's really fucking wrong. And then if you continue to harass them when they're literally locking a gate to get away from you and trying to get into their house, then yeah, you've crossed all sorts of lines. And yeah. it does, I don't care how like famous a person is, you come onto somebody's property, you follow them to their backyard and they're literally locking a gate and they're being polite because they're terrified of you and what you might do because it's America and an anti-vaxxer just showed up at your front fucking door and he's a young white male who fits the description of all of the people who do those kinds of things and then hurt Back people. Eating. Yes. <laughs> and is being polite and smiling because he's terrified. That doesn't make what you did okay. Okay. Right. And I feel like that really needs to be emphasized. People are like, oh, it looked like he was being, you know, nice and smiling. I was like, he was terrified. What was he supposed to do? You know, he's an older man and yours, this kid shows up and is hounding him with his phone and friends at his home. He's trying to be safe and get away from you, which is what he did when you can literally see him lock the gate and try to get into his house. Um, so they think because he was nice, that it justified what they did or that because the guy first shook his hands, which is a ruse to try to get Peter to put his guard down. Right. Uh, put him in even more danger um, right. that that meant that it was okay or consented to as well or that because it was at his house that it was public which is the exact opposite of public um, <laughs> yeah. yeah I know right it's it's like oh he confronted someone a public figure in public it's not a public figure that's not confronting someone that's attacking them and it wasn't in public it was at his home and it, it feels very rape victim blamey to be like oh well he shook his hand and he smiled and it's like I that, that doesn't, he was trying not to be killed by a crazy person who showed up at his house and went right. outside and then accosted him uh, was the word that he first used when he uh, told me what was happening. <sighs> I, so, I told him I need to press charges against these people because yeah, this needs to stop. Get worse. Yeah. And the Joe Rogan and other douchebags that are pushing this, like it's a-okay, need to stop. They also need to recognize that when they engage in this type of rhetoric, there are crazy fucking people that follow them that are going to act like this. You're going to get people killed. Yes. They are going to get people killed. They could get someone like me killed or someone like Peter killed. And it wouldn't be the first time. And so right. this, this kind of thing... Elon Musk was part of it. You know, you want to see somebody run this website who at least thinks that this stuff is wrong, even if they won't do anything about it, to at least be conflicted about the fact that their platform is being used to coordinate um, criminal activity, which they're exempt from under the Section 230. But um, I'm pretty sure that if you owned a restaurant and you knew that every Sunday a mob boss was coordinating assassinations from your, you know, VIP room that you should have some culpability there, especially if you're recording the conversations and listening to them and you do nothing. Like that was the, the whole point of section 30 was the argument that look, Yahoo mail, which was probably the big one at the time, shouldn't be legally held liable. If somebody sends an email to someone saying, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Because they couldn't stop that email from being sent. And they are not participating in the threat. Yeah. However, it's quite different when criminal activity is being planned and coordinated and carried out on the platform 
and Twitter mm-hmm. knows about it, is receiving reports about it, and is not acting and is not cooperating with authorities to do anything about it. There's a huge right. fucking world of difference, but under 230, they're not liable for anything that happens. And we thought maybe after the 2016 election, when Facebook decided to actually try to do something before something was done to them, that we would see more of that. But clearly Twitter's not interested. No, and they went the opposite we direction. To, yeah, and we need to maybe look at Europe and some of the laws that they're enacting to try to prevent this kind of stuff. Because harassment is illegal. It's a crime. And yep. cyber harassment is a crime. Hmm. I'm, just, I'm just make that face every time. Um, and if I can be charged with cyber harassment for naming my rapist on a domestic abuse survivor's blog, then the people who threaten to kill me all day, every day, or threaten the people who just say, oh, man, the people really shouldn't threaten to kill you, um, so certainly be charged with a crime. 100%. Yeah. And in my case too, like, you know, all the, yeah, I'm a public figure too. And as I was running for Congress, I was actually just told to catalog in case they did show up (laughs) because the police weren't going to do anything until they showed up. But I think it's a real threat to people online. I, I want to let people know that this is something that should be taken in consideration, that there are real world consequences to what happens online. So it's not just like, happy, fun playtime, right? It's, you know, there are people who will follow through. I mean, January 6th, right? Am I right? So um, let's let's end for today on this because we've been going on for this for a while. Um, I want to end with a hearty uh, fuck you both to Joe Rogan and Elon Musk and RFK. And I want to say thank you, Rebecca Jones, for sharing your experience and for taking us through this piece of disinformation on vaccines. And next week's going to be kind of crazy because I'm getting out of this place. But um, we were going to leave me here. Yeah, no, right? Um, no, I'm not going to look. Just because I'm not going to physically be here doesn't mean I can't continue to fight. And I have, I've been trying to make sure that people know that, like, I'm not, I feel like I'm abandoning this place. But I think I've, I've done three tours. My family's more important. I got to get out. Um, but next week because we said we'd do it this week, but this happened obviously to somebody to care about. So I thought we should talk about it. Yeah. Um, we are going to look into those far left progressive groups and some of the environmental slash anti-vax um, history there and um, dive more into that because that is certainly in of a topic of conversation right now and helps us understand how some of these movements grow from these fringe little things into mainstream Um death cults essentially yeah. but um all well, right, we'll look yeah. forward to that <laughs> so thank you so much rebecca jones miss informational for being with us here if you enjoyed this podcast please do make sure that if you're listening to us on apple or spotify which we featured quite heavily here today audible any of those platforms please make sure that you are liking us you're subscribing to us and even leave us a review that way our podcast will get out to more folks as well if you really really love us please become uh, one of our subscribers $4.99 a month helps us keep the lights on $49.99 for a year and you can help all the shows we have at big mouth media for $19.99 a month you can check out all the information we have related to that at big mouth media fl I have been your co-host here, Dr. Cindy Banier with Rebecca Jones on Misinformational, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. 
Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.